Good morning. You guys looking forward to today? I am not looking forward to today, uh, just to be perfectly honest. So we've been on this journey. This is week four of our five-week journey of putting first things first, thinking about our homes. Remember that first week we talked about how we can be going through the motions and completely leave or abandon our first love by doing things outside of really the why and the who, why we do things, right? Knowing that we do things because of Jesus, who he is and how he's loved us. The second week we looked at how we have this adversary, the devil, and how there was this fall in the Garden of Eden. As a result of that, our homes have been turned upside down and we need Jesus to return that to order and then we have to be obedient to Jesus and follow him in that order, amen? And then last week we had the fun time of talking about husbands and their roles. And, and last week, there was a lot of women in here having a great time um, last week. Um, I don't think that'll be the case today um, with the husbands having such a good time. I think this will be an amen kind of quiet day myself. So remember the verses we've been walking through, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Remember that we are focusing on the home because if the devil wants to destroy a church completely, if he wants to get rid of a church completely, you do that by destroying the home. Because if the homes are weak, the children aren't being raised for the Lord, our, our marriages aren't strong, there won't be a church in a couple generations. Amen? Now, I was really blessed this week. I've had lots of men reach out to me, and they've been looking for ways to sacrificially love their wives. And wives, I hope you paid attention and saw some of that. Maybe, maybe you didn't, but hopefully you did. It's been very encouraging to walk this journey. So today I stand before you with little fear and trembling with, uh, as I share about the wife's role today. And not because God's word isn't clear, just because I'm a man, right? And I don't want to get this wrong. So you guys pray for me as we go through this. Remember one of our verses we've been walking through is Mark 12, 30 through 31, where Jesus says, we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. And today as we look at this, dear sisters, your husband is your first neighbor. He's your first other. And as we walk through these verses, I do pray today that you'll see them from the perspective that God wrote these down. Right? This wasn't something that man wrote down. This isn't something that Chris decided to preach on. This was a series that God burdened my heart with. And today we just happen to be talking about wives. And so I just pray that you would allow the word of God this morning to speak to you. Amen? That'll be the last of those. So turn your Bibles to Matthew 13. And we're going to start here. The Lord kind of led me here. And I wasn't sure kind of how that was going to go. But we'll... We'll see how it all fits together in the end. Matthew chapter 13, we're gonna look at the first nine verses, looking at the parable of the sower before we start looking at this role of a wife. The Bible says in Matthew 13, verse one, on the same day, Jesus went out in the house and sat by the sea. And a great multitude were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the wayside, and the birds came and they devoured it. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Verse 7. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But other fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some hundred, 
some 60 and some 30. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So I pray this morning, dear sisters, you would ponder that as we walk through these different verses. Remember, we love him because he first loved us, 1 John 4, 19. So turn your Bibles to Ephesians 5, 22. And we're gonna look at the household text. We're gonna read through that and then we'll pray and we'll start to dig in to the wife's role this morning. I was asked, you know, what qualifies me to teach on this? And I said, uh, I, I'm a man of God and this is God's word and we're called to preach, right? So that's the, that's the qualification for that. We'll start in verse 22 and we're just gonna read to the end of the chapter. I know in your notes on the back of the handout, it says just the first three verses, but really to get the context, let's read the whole thing together. The Bible says in Matt, excuse me, Ephesians 5, 22, wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. He's the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that should she be holy, that she should be holy and without blemish. So ought husbands, uh, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of your word. We know that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, Father, and there's, there's words in here, Father, as we looked at last week of the husbands, Father, that are very strong about your expectation for us in marriage, Father, that we are to be leaders in our homes as husbands. We are to sacrificially love our wives as we love ourselves. And Lord, you put that in your word because you know that we won't do this on our own, Father. And Lord, today, as we look to, the, to this precious role of the wife, Father, I pray that today it would be honored, it would be glorified because it's who you've called them to be, that they would see this role as a privilege, Father, to walk according to your word, to, to represent you, uh, to represent your church back to you, Father. So Father, I pray today that all honor would be to you, that you would guide my words, my lips, and Lord, also for the dear sisters this morning, would you just speak to them? Would you mold them in your image, Father? We thank you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So today we're looking at the role of the wife and we're just gonna jump right in. So Ephesians 5.22, remember Paul is writing to spirit-filled believers. He just gave us this long journey through the book of Ephesians about what the church looks like, what spirit-filled believers look like. And now as we get into verse 22, he says, wives, submit. Now this word submit it means to, to range under, to come under authority. It's really a military term um, to subject oneself, and, and it even means to obey. Now, up until a few years ago, in marriage vows, and, and maybe Levi and Amelia can tell us if it was in theirs, but in all of marriage vows inside the church, there was a marriage vow for the wives to obey their husbands. How many of you wives had that in your marriage? 
Just a couple. <laughs> wow. Anyway, um, the few marriages that I've done, I put it in, whether they liked it or not. So anyway, so wives are commit, called to submit to their husbands. Now, this word submit means, like, again, coming under that authority. Now, the one thing that I love about Paul is he doesn't flower this up, right? He doesn't, you know, take three or four chapters to kind of walk into this slowly. He just kind of bluntly says, wives, in order to combat what happened in the fall, we're able to combat what sin and what our flesh wants in our lives, you've got to submit to your husband, right? And again, I didn't write that down. That's what Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We see the same thing written in Colossians chapter three. We see the same thing written in 1 Peter chapter three. So three different times, the same command, the same charge to women that they are to submit to their husbands. Not a very popular subject, right? I don't, I'm probably making a few enemies right now just sharing this. I hope not. As you see, this is the word of God. This isn't something that I came up with on my own. I was asked this morning, are we going to hear about Stephanie as she is or how she's going to be? And I would say yes to both of those. She's a tremendous wife, and I'm so very thankful for her. So turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Genesis 2, 18, the Bible says, and the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. And all the men right there, amen, right? Like it's so Great that God would provide for us a wife. And he says, I'll make him a helper comparable to him. He saw Adam and said, Adam, it's not good that you're alone. I want to make someone who will come along and complete you, who'll be your helper. So dear sisters, you have to see this great calling that God has for you as a wife to come alongside your husband, not to come along against your husband or to oppose your husband, but to come alongside him to complete him. Because remember, the goal is that we are this one unit in front of God, this husband and wife that are so close, so united because of what he has done in our lives that really it's just about inseparable. Amen? That's what it's supposed to be like, but I'll be honest with you, that's not what our marriages look like all the time, is it? Now think about it. Jesus says, you ever thought about, man, wouldn't it be great if God just had a billboard to proclaim his goodness all the time, Right? And you ride around, you see Cam, they have lots of billboards, you know, truth and follow the Bible, what salvation is. You see those things. But God chose us in marriage to be that billboard, that that husband would represent Jesus, that that wife would represent the church. And the two of them coming together really should be inseparable, right? And we are the billboard, right? Our homes are the billboard of Christ. Our homes are a billboard of the gospel that it works, right? Because doesn't the gospel work? Amen, it does. And that same gospel should be working in our homes. Colossians 3.18. Again, Paul is writing to Church of Colossae. He says, wives, submit your own husband as is fitting in the Lord. Submit to your own husband. Come under his authority. Complete him. Walk with him, not against him, as is fitting in the Lord. One of the things we have to make sure that when we think about when we think about this role of wives is that your husband does not have complete control over you, okay? 
He's never to ask you to sin. He's never to ask you to go against your convictions or something inside that you say, you know what, I don't feel comfortable with that. Then, then you shouldn't do it. And if your husband is abusing you or anything like that, then you need to find a way to get help, right? That's not what we're talking about today. So I want to make that very clear. And again, all of this is wrapped up in this is what Jesus has commanded for you, my dear sisters. This is what Jesus has commanded as your role as a wife, what it's supposed to look like. Because again, remember, you mirror that image of who uh, the church is supposed to be. So when you think about all this, like, dear sisters, is this really, where you, is this really what you want to hear today? Is this really what you want to focus on today? Do you really want to hear that God has a higher calling? Because you can say, well, you know, I'm a really good wife, but is that the expectation? Is the expectation just to be a good wife? You can look around and say, well, I'm better than her and her, and I'm a little better than so-and-so. The expectation is that we are like Jesus, amen? And we need to see that what he's called us to, we all have room to grow. If you're 100 years old sitting here this morning as a godly woman, you still have room to grow in Jesus. He still wants to sanctify us. He still wants to use us mightily for his kingdom. So we have to see these verses this morning as something that we need in our lives. Something that we need. So the next section, so that was our command. The next section is the purpose. So turn your Bibles again back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. Genesis three sixteen. To the woman, he says, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conceptions. This is after the fall. This is... God telling Eve what she's going to have as a result of sin, a result of giving in to the devil, a result of giving in to when the devil came along and said, is, is that really what God says? And sisters, I would just challenge you this morning that when we read these verses, don't have that attitude. Don't have that attitude of, is that really what the word of God says? Because it's very clear. He tells you three different times to submit to your husbands, to come under his authority, Right? I can't say that any plainer than what God has in his word. But he goes on in verse 16 of chapter three. He says, in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And we talked about this um, uh, two weeks ago about how because of sin, because of that perfect union that Adam and Eve had in chapter two, but, but because of sin, it's got flipped upside down. Now her role is she wants to control him and he wants to lord it over her. Right? And that's exactly what Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is combating in Ephesians and also in Colossians, that our role has to be reversed. Right? We need to be sacrificial, loving husbands because otherwise we're dictators. Our wives need to be submissive, loving, encouraging wives, respectful wives, because otherwise they have a desire to lord over us. Right? That's what the flesh looks like. And that's why when we see these verses, we have to understand that we need this. We have to say, yes, Lord, I need this. This is exactly who I want to be in Jesus. Now, I know this isn't popular, right? I know these verses aren't popular. Like if you went street preaching, this isn't where you'd start, right? But remember, God wrote this to the church. Like he's not holding up this to the expectation of the world saying, hey, guys, you need to live this way. No, he's saying we already should be living this way. Amen? Think about that. This isn't something you wrestle with for 80 years. This is something that we should be putting on. Same way for the husbands. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. 
lots of scripture this morning. I'm trying to emulate one of my heroes in the faith, Merlin Miller, who loves to preach the whole Bible every Sunday. So I appreciate that. So verse 23 of chapter five says, for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. He's referring to his order. He's referring to the purpose behind this relationship, the purpose of the wife and the husband, what that looks like. It's all because of Jesus, the representation of his church and how he is the savior of the body. As to the Lord, he says, as to the Lord, as you submit to your husband, dear sisters, you've got to look past him. I know he's not perfect because I stand before you as an imperfect husband, right? Just like last week, we talked about husbands. He's got to look past you, dear sisters, who aren't perfect because he has to be doing this as to the Lord. You are to submit to your husband as to the Lord because of who Jesus is. Again, as we go through this, dear sisters, you can't go home and say, I'm going to force myself to be more submissive. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's all about that surrendered heart to Jesus. Turn your Bibles over to 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that, if, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Verse 2. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. So, dear sisters, there's, a, there's an evangelistic nature of you doing what the church is supposed to be doing. As you are a picture of the church of Jesus Christ, he says here that you are to be submissive to him. And it's given the picture here of a guy who's not very obedient, right? Either he's in the church and not very obedient, or maybe he's unsaved. But by her very nature, by the way she's living her life, she's sharing the gospel to the point that this guy can get saved by the way she lives her life. Now think about that. A wife can have uh, an unsaved husband, which we, we don't want you to marry someone unsaved. But if you happen to be in that situation, God can use you to evangelize him and change his heart. Now think about that for a minute, sisters. How much more encouraging is this to a man who is in the church? How much further can your husband go if you got behind him with this beautiful conduct that he mentions here? They observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Dear sisters, are you for him or are you against him this morning? Because to be for him is to say yes and amen to what the word of God says to be against him or be against God really is to say, that, you know what, there's really another way, Chris. I can, I can mold that into something else. I can change those verses. I can water that down. I can Google it and find someone else who will say something different, right? Now, remember, we just read the same thing three times. We can't get away from this, dear sisters. It's something you have to be able to look Jesus in the eye and say, that's who I wanna be. That's the wife that you've called me to be, and I need to be walking in that. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs. We're gonna read a couple of Proverbs quickly. Proverbs 18.22, 18.22. There are so many verses about marriage in Proverbs. I just wanted to read a couple. Proverbs 18.22. The Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And obtains favor from the Lord. 
he who finds a wife. I'm not sure Levi would say amen to that, right? He just got married. He's got a brand new wife. Got Caleb over here. He's got a brand new wife not too long ago. Like, amen. Like, having a wife is truly an amazing thing. Right, brothers? It's wonderful. It's truly wonderful that God would make some woman for you, that she could come alongside you and be your helper, your completer, and be your helpmate. Like, that is truly amazing. And uh, I am I, uh, so thankful, so thankful that God would do that for us. Proverbs 12, verse 4, gives a little different picture. Proverbs 12, verse 4. The Bible says, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. Gives an opposite there. An excellent wife versus one who's not so excellent. Dear sisters, it's so difficult for a husband you know, we're called to be leaders in our homes, right? We'd all agree to that. Who should be his first follower? Who is it? His wife, right? So if his wife's not following him, if the wife's not really getting behind him, if she's not coming alongside him, can he be a leader in his home? I don't think so. Like he can still lead his children, which is a good thing. But dear sisters, are you following your husband today? Are you allowing him to lead? And I say allowing because he can't force you to do anything, right? You know the story, uh, and as, a, as little children, you know, they act up at times and they throw little fits at times, and I'm sure all the kids in the, here have done that at one point, and then you, you force them to sit in a chair and you tell them, you sit there and you quit acting the way you do, right? And what does the little kid do? He just sits there just fuming, right? Because on the inside, he's still acting up. Well, so many times that's us, right, in our role. I'll be a submissive wife, but boy, he going to be some burnt dinners around here, right? And a, and a nice cold shoulder to go along with that. But really, when you think about this to your sisters, can you just forgive your husbands? Can you? Now, the Bible teaches that we should be giving forgiveness even if they don't ask for it. And if you're carrying around some grudge because your husband failed you at some point, well, guess chances are he's going to fail you again. But if you're holding on to something, please let, let go of that. Don't let that separate you from really walking in who God is and what his word says here. Amen. Proverbs 14, verse 1. Proverbs 14, 14 verse 1. It says, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. And I, love, I think when I think of this, this wise woman building her house, I see her, her building it with her husband, not against her husband. Dear sisters, is it okay if your husband comes alongside and, and gives you some encouragement? Is it okay if your husband says no to you? Is it okay if your husband comes along and says, I really don't think that's a good idea. I don't, I don't really want you to do that anymore. Is that okay? Is it okay ver based on the scriptures we just read? Is that okay? It, it is. It is okay. Let me ask you this about your home. Is there one agenda in your home or are there two? Are you doing your thing as a husband and she's doing her thing as a wife and, and you hope to bump into each other a couple times a week? Because really, what the two coming together should be one unit, one ministry, one purpose, one vision, one goal, right? And the two of us coming together to go live that out. Doesn't mean that she can't go and minister and do some things, that he can't go and minister, but the two of them, really they have one common goal, right? They're working together. They wanna raise a godly home, just like Joe talked about earlier this morning, and praise God for that. We wanna raise a godly home, but a unit for the gospel. You know, there's, there's several couples in this church that I think of when I think this. You never see one without the other. 
almost never, right? And I love that because they are so committed to the gospel as they're committed to each other. And there's some great role models. Praise God for that. So the next section, so that was the purpose of all of this. It's for God's glory that we represent him. Then there's some application. There's some application. And one of the things I want to talk about with that is back in Ephesians 5, chapter, uh, Ephesians 5, verse 24. There's a lot of reasons, right, of why wives don't want to follow their husbands. There's lots of reasons why they don't want to submit to their husbands. But inside the church, as born-again followers of Jesus, is there a reason not to do this? Is there? There really isn't, isn't. There is not a reason for us to not grab hold of our roles and live this out. Think about our children, for, ex- for example. Our wives, as they lovingly submit to their husbands. What does that teach the children? What's it teaching the children? Right? What about when they hear mom and dad constantly arguing, constantly debating, constantly having, uh, as, as one brother said yesterday, you know, it's not that we didn't argue, we just went in the bathroom, turned the shower on where nobody could hear us, right? What are, what are our children seeing in our relationships as husband and wives as we are to mirror Jesus and the church? How are we causing struggles in our own home as we're mirroring something that we talk about, but then our lives don't really show that? And I believe God brought us to this whole five weeks as we walk through this first things first, looking at the different roles in our home because we need it. Because I need it. So Ephesians 5, verse 24. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. In everything. It it takes away that argument, right? It takes away that argument that, hey, I can get by with some things. He, He can't tell me what to do. And again, if you're if you're seeing this all from the negative side of things and not the glorious grace that God has for us, this beautiful picture of what marriage is supposed to look like, I'd ask you to, to really, really pray about that. Really pray about um, having your back up against these verses. This is the word of God. But remember, we're never to submit to an abusive husband, but we need our wives. And when you think about how much we need our wives, remember, she was made for you. Now, I don't know if you know this, but you and your wife are very different, right? I'm not talking about just the physical side of things, but your, your spiritual gifts are very different. Uh, my wife would never want to get up here, right? She doesn't want to speak in front of anybody. It's not her gift. But she does have a gift, many gifts, I should say. Nobody's coming near our house without eating and taking home a jar of preserves, right? Nobody's getting near our house without being loved on and encouraged, Nobody's coming near us without ability. She's going to find somebody to love on every week and bring home half the time and, and those things. But we need our wives. I need her gifts to help complete me. That's why God put the two of you together, which means I also need her to tell me my blind spots, right? Now, I don't want her yelling it at me, but I need my wife. And I tell her all the time, honey, Help me to see those things. Help me to see the things that I'm missing. And so sometimes she'll say, hey, Chris, you're talking too much. Okay, thanks. She'll say, you repeat yourself too much. Okay, thank you, darling. 
right? If we ask, we've got to be willing to receive it. Let me ask you a question. How many husbands went home last week with those questions that I asked you to go home and ask your wife? How many of you spent time last week doing that? About five, six. Okay. Again, brothers, do you want it or not? Do you want it or not? And if you're not asking her, then you're probably not going to get it. Same thing for us as husbands. And I mean for wives. So discernment. We need our wives. So wives, when you see this submissive role, when you see that you are to obey your husband, when you see that you're supposed to come under your husband, it's because the two of you are supposed to be one. Remember that. And that you are there because your husband needs you. Now, I know a lot of women say, well, if I truly submit to my husband, he's going to turn me into a doormat, right? He's just going to walk all over me. Now, I know a lot of guys, and I can promise you not one of them wants a doormat for a wife, right? Raise your hand if you want a doormat for a wife, right? Nobody wants that. And all this boils down to whether we truly trust God. Do we trust God to know that his word is perfect and that our roles in his word are perfect, and that it's really, the problem is us, right? We're the problem. 1 John 5, 3 says, for the love of God, uh, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. You know, one of the things that I feel like we don't do a great job of is when we try to live this out, we go to the world, and we love to tell the world all the things that we can't do, Right versus how much God loves us, how much grace he's poured upon our lives and how do we have this new life in Jesus and how it looks so different than everything else. That's what the world needs to see. And I've told you guys before, when, when I was unsaved up until I was 25 years old, I really struggled when people told me about something that I did not see in their lives. They were telling me about this Jesus who made no difference in their life, who made no difference in their marriages. Their marriages were just as rotten as mine was. Their kids were just as rotten as my kids were. Like, what difference is there? Where Jesus says that's where the gospel is supposed to work the greatest, in our home, so the world can see that. And when we truly saw a godly home, my wife and I were like, what is going on with these people, right? There truly is a difference. There truly is a God. So in our lives, dear brothers and sisters, are we proclaiming the gospel by the way we live our lives at home? Others should see that. Like the neighbor should see you're not kicking the dog. You're loving your wife. They see some flowers once in a while walk through the front door of your house. They see a wife who smiles when you come home, right? Hopefully. Turn your Bibles to 1 Peter 3, 3 through 6. We're gonna look at a few more verses there with Peter in this household text where Peter is writing. I'm gonna back up to verse two, actually. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, verse three, do not let your adornment be merely outward arranging the hair, wearing gold or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now, when you think about that word, very precious in the sight of God, God doesn't say that all the time. God doesn't say that about all kinds of things, but he says it about you, dear sisters, as you walk in the grace that he has in this. In verse five, for in this manner in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. As Abraham, excuse me, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and not afraid of, with any terror. 
he's continuing the same flow, this submissive heart, this, this yielded heart, this because of Jesus heart that says, I'm gonna live for Jesus in my role as a wife. He gives us a bigger picture of it. He says, you know what? It's, there's more to this. It's, there's letting this adornment not be the, just the outward side of things, but this inside, this gentle and quiet spirit, this hidden person of the heart, that this, this thing that's very precious in God's sight. Amen? Now, he doesn't say that women shouldn't be pretty. He doesn't say that women shouldn't dress pretty or feminine and, and those kind of things. What he's saying is it can't be the focus. It cannot be the focus. I've met some of the most beautiful women in the world are gentle and quiet spirits. And I've met some of the ugliest women who to our eyes were very appealing, but their hearts were so wicked. Right? It's that inside change that needs to happen. I hear husbands tease. They'll say, you know, my wife, she just tells me what to do and I go do it. We shouldn't tease like that. The word of God is what we should be standing on, dear brothers. The word of God is what we should be standing on, dear sisters. And we are without excuse. This is who we're supposed to be in Jesus. Remembering, dear sisters, that your true beauty comes from, from obeying the word of God. Turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. So Timothy is encouraged to do the same thing as Paul is talking about this beautiful picture of womanhood, beautiful picture of feminine womanhood and what that looks like. Dear sisters, and I, I just wanna say this as your brother in the Lord, modesty is so important. It is so, so important. It is so important. Please, please don't let that go. Let me ask you a question. Is it, is it okay if your husband defines modesty in the home? Can your husband come to you and say, honey, like, I don't like that shirt. It's too low. Or I don't like that skirt, too short. Is that okay? Like, is it okay for a husband to encourage his wife to be more modest? I can promise you when you get to heaven, you're not gonna be like, oh, I didn't have to be so modest. What was I thinking? Right? I have a feeling we're probably gonna be a little embarrassed when we get to heaven. Just a quick one on modesty. Guys, put some clothes on. We want our daughters to go and go swimming and be as modest as humanly possible. And I say amen to that. And then we want to run around almost naked as we swim in front of our daughters. That is shameful. That is shameful from my perspective. That was a freebie. We need to be covered up. We need to be good examples for our daughters as fathers. Turn your Bibles back to 1 Peter one more time. 1 Peter 3 verse 7. We read this verse last week. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together, the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. I just want to remind us that, dear sisters, you are the weaker vessel. And he's talking about physical strength, not mental, not spiritual, none of those things. So please don't take it the wrong way. But you're not as strong as your husband. 
you know? And again, he's not just for opening pickle jars. Like, you need to let him carry the load, right? I'm not talking about taking over your responsibilities, taking over your role, but you cannot bury yourself. Now, I know there's a lot of great godly women in this room who will serve 23 hours a day if you let them, right? Can your husband come alongside you and take your schedule and go, honey, you're doing too much. I want you to take a few things off the schedule. You're wearing yourself out. You don't have time for your husband. You don't have time for your children, right? Even inside the church, this happens. Can, can you, dear sisters, allow your husband to lead that way? Is that okay? Is it okay if he comes alongside and, and does those things? Ephesians 5, I feel like we're doing a sword drill. Josh was doing that this morning with the kids when he was singing. It was very nice. Good to see. Ephesians 5, 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And dear sisters, this really, this is the key of how we get back to submission. It's all about respect. It's all about respecting his position because of Jesus. It's respecting the fact that he is your husband because Jesus, Right? It's his role because of Jesus. God ordained that. And it's respecting all of that because of what God has done for you. And as you respect your husband, as you trust your husband because he's trusting in God, as you do those things, it's so respectful. You know, when a guy can come to his wife and say, honey, I've got an idea, and and be able to say the whole idea before she shuts him down and tells him, well, that's stupid. And I only share that because I've heard that from men in this church. Right? It happens. Dear sisters, are we, are we allowing our husbands to share? You know, so many times we say, well, my husband, he didn't listen to me. Probably because you won't let him talk. Right? Are you hearing your husband as you come alongside him? What are you hearing in the things that he's saying so you can help him? You can come alongside of him and help him meet those tasks. Again, is there two agendas in your home or just one? Can your husband encourage you with a good book. You know, he's read a good book. It really encouraged him. Lord, can he give you a book and say, honey, I think this will really encourage you in your faith. Or would you be like, you, you, what are you doing giving me a book? I know what I'm doing. I, I read whatever I want to read, right? Again, I've heard that inside this church. This, but this respect, it's this path to submission. And when you think about respect, really the word is reverence. It's fear. It's to be afraid. And again, it's all pointing back to Jesus, all pointing back to him. And, and husbands, you know, we have these times where there's just elephant in the room, right? And we want to tiptoe around the eggshells because we're just not in the mood for it tonight, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. Don't raise your hand. You guys know what I'm talking about. But think about it. As two mature, spirit-filled believers in the same house, why would we ever argue? Why? Because I believe every argument we have in our marriage, and we've had more than one, is either I'm being selfish and unloving or she's being unsubmissive and lacking respect. Now think about it. Isn't that true in our marriages? Now maybe you've had an argument outside of those things, um, but I know in my marriage, it's one of us is being selfish or both are being selfish. But sisters, are you okay with who God's called you to be? Like you okay with that? Are you okay with the role that God has called you to? Because remember, we're facing this world that doesn't know if they're boys or girls. 
And I just want to ask you inside the church, are you okay? Are you okay saying yes and amen to the role that God has called you to according to his word as we've read and say, yes, I will walk in that? Are we going to kick against it just like this transgender movement who, who says, you know, I don't want to be a woman. I want to be a man. Or I don't want to be a man. I want to be a woman. You know, that same attitude, it is creeping into the church culture in America. It is. Feminism has crept into the church, and it's ruined a lot of good marriages. I know a lot of guys want to say amen right there. So I'll just say it for you. Amen. But it's true. Feminism is ruining many a good marriage. So dear sisters, can you look to the word of God and say yes and amen to what he has to say? Turn your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. We are getting to the end here. And I'm looking forward to the end. Titus chapter 2, we're going to look at the first five verses. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. This is Paul encouraging Titus. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and in patience. Verse 3, the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teacher of good things that they may admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Now, I believe God brought us to these verses because one of the reasons I believe we struggle so much in the church is because we have so many good godly role models who refuse to do what this verse says. How old do you have to be to come alongside another woman and encourage her to love her husband, to be obedient to her husband, to be a keeper of home, and all those types of things. How old do you have to be? Is it 100? I don't think so. I believe there's some 30-year-olds who really get this well. Now, we travel to a lot of churches, and one of my questions to the pastors, not every time, I do forget sometimes, is do you have a Titus II ministry in your church? Now, how many of you think that other churches have that ministry? So I've asked more than 20 pastors and not one church that these pastors knew of has the older coming alongside and discipling and teaching the younger. And I just want to challenge you, dear sisters. I believe one of the reasons that feminism is so strong in the church, I believe it's your fault. And I know that's tough. But it is your role. It's what the Bible says to do, that the older are to come alongside the younger and encourage them. I'm not saying it's your fault completely, but I think that we are missing the boat. We think discipleship is for the men, but this discipleship for these young women and these young married, these young women in marriage, dear sisters, be that older woman in their lives. Amen? It's real quiet in here now. Let's turn back to Matthew chapter 13, and we're gonna close here. Matthew 13. We're going to read in verse 18 through 23. We read the parable of the sower earlier, and now we're going to hear the parable of the sower explained. And, and I pray, dear sisters, you can just put yourself in what Jesus is saying this morning. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower, verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches it away. 
what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arise, arises, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Verse 23, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed it bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. And dear sisters, I just wanna encourage you this morning as you've heard what the word says, you've read the verses with me this morning, which soil is your heart this morning? And only you can answer that before a holy God. I do have some questions, some challenges, some homework there. Hopefully you sisters can do a better job than the husbands did with asking your husband, ask him the question. Hey, would you pray Ephesians 5, this household text, would you pray that for me that God would help mold me into that image? And ask him, how am I doing with this, right? You're not gonna know unless you ask. And am, am I your helper? I think that's such a good question for you to ask your sisters. Are you a helper to your husband? Are you really seeing your role as coming along and completing him? Well, I've asked uh, Elsie to come and, and to pray for you, dear sisters. So I'd ask, would all the wives and all the young ladies, would you guys all just stand and really want uh, to have a nice uh, prayer time here? I've asked Elsie to kind of save me here a little bit uh, through all this. And so she's going to lead us in prayer, and then I'll give a benediction, and we'll be through for the day. Thank you, sister. Our Father in heaven, we sense your presence here this morning, and we bring you honor and praise. Mm. Thank you for the truth of your word that was brought to us this morning, a message for us ladies and young girls. Bless us with hearts, with ears to hear and hearts to receive your word. You have given women a special place in your kingdom. Mm. Bless us with humble hearts and joy in serving. You have given us everything we need for life and godliness. Amen. We are grateful for your protection and for the protection of our fathers and husbands. Thank you for forgiving us when we fail and for restoring us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to have right priorities, to put you first in our hearts. May our lives display the fruit of the Spirit. And bless our marriages, yes. the marriages of this church with oneness, that the husbands would love their wives and children, yes. that the wives would be submissive to their husbands, and the children would be obedient to their parents. Thank you for your word that teaches us these things. Mm. And now may our homes be a place of beauty and peace and love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.